Good day, y'all. This is your friendly neighborhood, Open Mike Eagle here, and I just wanted to give y'all a quick word before this episode. Um, this episode you're about to hear um, is actually the first episode that me and Prince Paul recorded for what had happened was. And I wanted to shout that out just in case um, our energy isn't quite the same as it usually is. We were kind of just really meeting at that point. And uh, if you hear us allude to some um, information or some topics that we have since discussed way further, um, but we don't get too deep into them. It was because this episode was recorded first. And uh, hearing it back for me was very interesting because it reminded me that we taped this first episode as a pilot for a larger podcast company that expressed uh, interest in the idea. So it was over a year ago now. Uh, I flew to New York and got the chance to sit with Prince Paul in the studio and we talked about um, the subject of this episode, which is Native Tongues, which is an era of, of hip hop history that is uh, so important to me. And, and I, I cherish it so much. So I felt so fortunate to be able to uh, talk to Paul about it. And, and when I listened to the episode back, I was so excited thinking about how many other people might want to hear Paul talk about this era and these groups that he was involved in. And um, we submitted the pilot and that big company uh, told us that they couldn't figure out how to sell ads on it. They didn't feel like their ad team um, knew what to do with our program. And what they were basically saying is for their purposes, they didn't really see the value in it. And that was one of the things that made me start my own podcast network is because I see the value of conversations like this. And from the reaction that this show gets, uh, for people who have been checking it out and thank you all for listening and thank you all for telling other people about it. Um, thank you all for shouting it out on social media. Um, I can tell these stories are valuable for people. I can tell that these, these, these songs, these albums, they mean a lot to people and Prince Paul as a creator means a lot to people. So, um, thanks for proving me right. <laughs> um, and, uh, please do follow along Stony Island Audio on uh on twitter we got a a bunch of other shows one is blueprint super duty tough work podcast that comes out every week that is a great guidebook to pardon it's a great guidebook to how to survive as an independent artist he's up to 200 episodes now and we got some great stuff in the works um and remember uh this episode of what had happened was is one of the three remaining episodes we only got three left um of this season <laughs> Anyway, this is Open Mike Eagle. Um, if you guys get a chance, please like the podcast, rate it, review it, all those things that help metrics um, so that we can continue to prove people wrong and continue to prove that these stories have value. Um, thank you and enjoy the episode. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is Open Mike Eagle recording live from the Internet. Y'all know me, though. Y'all heard my voice for a long, long time. So this time I'm coming back at you, but I'm not coming alone. The Black Prince, could I be right? I brought the legendary Prince Pum-Pum-Pum-Pum. World famous disc jock, inventor of the skit in hip-hop, and damn, we won a Grammy with Chris Rock, yeah. Motherfucking yacht, sailing down a motherfucking harbor, right? Chilling down a motherfucking harbor. I interviewed the man from here in computer land. I'm asking him questions on behalf of the super fans, yeah. Because I'm one, and the answers are for everybody. 
Jesus He got stories so I asked for one We having fun and laughs cause he has a ton Yeah, and like that a podcast begun Cause he answered well what had happened was What had happened was. Yeah! <laughs> what had happened was. I'm Open Mike Eagle. I'm a rapper, a podcaster. I do I do TV stuff. I do all sorts of things. And I was partly inspired to do all sorts of things by the man sitting opposite me right now, the one and only Mr. Prince Paul. Yeah, hey, man. Hey, th- thanks. That's a nice introduction. It's your day. This topic is collective. Right. Of creatives, of rappers, of DJs and producers that was very impactful on me specifically. There were things that you all did as a collective that let people like me watching at home on BET Rap City. (laughs) It it let me know that there's room to be so many different kinds of things in hip hop where everything was very street and seemed very hardcore at the time. You guys brought an angle that had a fun-loving aspect to it. It had like an Afrocentric, like collective kind of aspect to it. And it opened up doors for people like me to feel like there's a place in this for people who aren't, you know, taking a break from the dice game. So in other words, you were just a weird child. Yes. Okay. And still am. (laughs) (laughs) And we're talking, of course, about the collective native tongues. We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. Wow. Yeah. Now, for those that don't know, the Native Tones was a pretty large collective. It consists of De La Soul, yes. which is Paz. Paz Denuse. True Goy, a.k.a. Dave. True Goy the Dove. <laughs> uh, Maceo is the DJ. Maceo, Pace Master Mace. There you go. And also in Native Tongues, you had Tribe Called Quest, which is Q-Tip and Fife and Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Ali Shaheed, yes. Yeah. And the Jungle Brothers, who... You forgot Jerobi. I'm sorry, I did forget Jerobi. Yeah. And the Jungle Brothers, which is Africa Baby Bam, yeah, Mike G, DJ Sammy B. Sammy B's on the cut. Right. And don't forget who's actually kind of part of Jungle Brothers. I would give Chris Lighty 
mm-hmm. that. And also in the collective was Queen Latifah, Moni Love, the group Black Sheep, which consisted of Drez and Mr. Long. Yeah. Am I forgetting anybody? I feel like I'm leaving some. Chiali. Chiali. And who determined who was in and out at the time? Well, let me just start off by saying that the first time I heard of Native Tongues, and I don't think he ever gets enough credit, is Africa Baby Bam from Jungle Brothers. Like, he's the one who started it. Right. And who more or less adopted Tribe Called Quest would probably be the first, aside from Jungle Brothers, then De La Soul. And then after that, I couldn't tell you in what order who came when. You know, maybe it was... Queen Latifah, because she was part of Tommy Boy, which led her to meet us, which kind of put her in the collective. And so for those that are unfamiliar, Tommy Boy was a record label. Yes. That put out all of the De La Soul albums. Yeah. And also the first. Yeah. Three. Yep. They, they put out De La Soul, uh, Queen Latifah, and also my first record was Stetsa Sonic. So okay. that's kind of how De La Soul was introduced to Tommy Boy was through me. So you first heard it from Africa. Yes. Africa being the leader of Jungle Brothers. And you hear that there's a crew called Native Tongues. And how was it described to you even? It's never described. You know, the whole thing about Native Tongue, it was just really organic. It was a name. And then it, at the while, it was identified as a collective. Like, yo, we're Native Tongue. It consists of whomever's in the room at the time. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's the way it was. Like, we would be in the studio, mm-hmm. you know, me, we being, uh, and I can only speak for like De La Soul, and then randomly you'd have the Jungle Brothers in there. You'd have Red Alert. Mm-hmm. At one point, MC Light was probably in the studio. Right. And then you have Tribe is in there. And then it just formed as a collective, but without, all right, man, put your arm out. We're going to cut it. All right, <laughs> this, this, we got the blood. Now we're going to do this. And, that, you know, it was no tattoos, no nothing. It was just, the, okay, man, you're here. You're cool. You're down. If you walked in that room, you would say right now, hey, hey man, open mic eagle, native tug. Hey, if you, <laughs> if, you, if you could point me in the direction of the time machine, sir, <laughs> I most certainly would do that. I mean, from that's from my point of view. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, you might ask somebody else, but being kind of on the inside, outside, right. it was like, if you were there, you know, you could probably say you're part of Native Tongue. So what does it mean that you were on the inside, outside? I was a part of that collective and I think just by just by default, like, I think by being in the room. Like, I can't even say to you, honestly, to this day, hi, I'm Prince Paul. I am part of Native Tongue. I see. You might ask somebody in the group, they're like, nah, Paul, he ain't. (laughs) (laughs) You might ask somebody else, go, yeah, he's part of it. And then somebody's like, kind of, you know, Uh like, because like I said, there was no. There was no official membership roster. I don't have a card that says, (laughs) with my face on it, says, yeah, Native Tug, you know. Member sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I didn't pay dues. So maybe there is that. And I just didn't get it because I'm not down. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I don't know. But I'm comfortable say that I should be a part of it if I am not a part of it. Right. You know what I'm saying? After well, that, I'm a part of it. As of today, yeah. I, I, I'm going to say yes. Finally. That's what this was all about. We yeah. can go home now. <laughs> <laughs> now, part of the reason why me and I'm sure many other people just naturally assume that you were native tongues is because of what I deem to be the most impactful, like, visual uh, manifestation of the collective at right. the time. Like the thing, when I think of Native Tongues, I think of the video for the song, Buddy. Hello, it's the soul, trooping in with the jungle patrol. And this one's about the chaos, the knockouts out there who I call my Hold buddy. And to this day, when you really look back at the, the history of the groups, 
that's like the one song that's got like everybody on it. Yeah. So that kind of establishes the collective. Yeah. And for that entire run, and you'd say like the height of it is probably like 88 to like 92 or 93 or yeah. something like that, right? Yeah. Like Buddy is really the one song that's got like everybody on it. And the video for that being like the establishment of the crew, the aesthetic, kind of everything. Yeah, that definitely put everybody in the room together. I mean, the original Buddy was on the Three Feet High Rising album, and then the remix of Buddy, which was the popular one, which was the video that everybody knows, is the one that has everybody. Because right. I think the original one probably just had Jungle Brothers. and it definitely had Tribe on it. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's a shame I have to remember my own records. <laughs> um but it didn't have Queen Latifah on it. It didn't have, you, right. you know, Moni Love, you know. I don't know if Fife was on there, you know. I think Fife was on the remix. Or... Yeah, Fife was on the remix because from my understanding, and I, you know, you might, you know, find out different, but I think that's the first song he was ever on, recorded. So Fife voice. from A Tribe Called Quest was on the Buddy remix before he was even on Tribe's first album. Yes. Wow. So that's, I believe that's his first record he's ever recorded. That's amazing. That's amazing. What was the reason that when y'all decided to do the remix, y'all decided to use a different beat? Well, you know, I have to credit, and this is from my memory, like, I, you know, I, I stand corrected because, you know, things change, but Paz mm -hmm. from the group De La had the idea or concept of using heartbeat. Right. So my thing always with the group is, you know, cats come with ideas. How do I make it happen? How do I facilitate it? It was them all together saying, okay, we got this person. We had Jungle on there. Everybody's come through. You know what I'm saying? Right. And all I remember from that session, beside it being chaotic and trying to record and figure out how we're going to fit all the rhymes and there's so many right. tracks right. on here and how does the tracks overlay? Is it going to be two MCs on one track? And I'm going to EQ it later and da-da-da. It was just a whole lot of... Camaraderie. This is a question I've always been very curious about with this song. What is Buddy about? Buddy's is, uh, is uh, what what I say in the beginning of the video? <laughs> <laughs> bodies, bodies of all kinds, you I know. Uh, you know, buddies, yeah, it's your buddy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like it was pretty open to interpretation. <laughs> you know, thing you want to cuddle up next to, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's as simple as that, it's your buddy, you okay. know. But, you know, to put it in, uh, you know, G-rated terms, it's a very good friend. I see. I see. <laughs> so, I mean, y'all was getting money at that time, right? Like, so Tommy Boy is a pretty successful label. And, I mean, by the time y'all did the video for Buddy, y'all had had singles out already. Like, me, myself, and I was already, like, cracking, right? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's getting money. <laughs> Rel relative terms. Yeah. <laughs> you know, definitely, definitely relative terms. You know, I can't say that there was a whole lot of money flowing from the label. You, you know, anybody who does the research on Three Feet High and Rise and know there were a bunch of legal issues with that album. Just for people who aren't aware, like, what were the legal issues? Well, there, the there was a bunch of sampling issues, and it's probably pretty historic in that regard of clearing samples, things that hasn't been cleared. And us and Tommy Boy will always debate who was responsible, who didn't do what. So when you say day. didn't do what, you mean didn't step to the artist who y'all were sampling and try to make it Yeah, didn't, right. di didn't clear it. I mean, to this day, I'll stand on the fact that, and I have the group to back me up, we handed in every possible sample to the label. The label said, well, y'all didn't hand in anything or handed only oh, some things. Okay. So we only cleared some things, but... I don't know. I wish I had the time machine so we right. could go back. We'll go back into that room. That, that's how we did. Because, I mean, just 
for people who don't understand on the business level, when you talk about clearing samples, we're talking about a label probably having to make some sort of financial arrangement with these artists that you sampled so that they'll okay yeah. this new use for it. So it would make sense that maybe they didn't clear everything because it would have cost a lot of money to clear it. Well, you got to understand, there's a few factors that go into it. You know, we're an untested group. You know, we had a couple singles out, Potholes in My Lawn. We had Plug Tuning, mm-hmm. but nothing major. Like, nowhere did they figure out, nor did did we, that this record would be as big as it was. Right. So they probably figure, if, you know, what I'm guessing for them is if why spend all this money on a record that'll probably sell 50,000 copies if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Instead, it million plus, you know right. what I'm saying? So, you know, that's when things like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so so you, men, you mentioned using Heartbeat earlier, which is, I, I forget the name of the original band that made Heartbeat. Uh, Tanya Gardner. And, and everybody knows the song when they hear it. Yeah. And, and, you know, y'all flipped it. Oh, that was, the, that was the joint back in the day. So, I mean, and, and so since this is before everything was super litigious like it is now, y'all was using whatever sample you want to use, recognizable or otherwise. Yeah. Has there ever been a situation where like, you wanted to use something and a label or somebody was like, no, we can't do that because it's too recognizable and you'll get sued. Oh, it's not even the part recognizable. Like, you know, you could sample everything and anything. Where it stops is when you clear it with the original artist. Right. Whoever made the original record. That's usually the point when they go, either they, we don't like rap. We were talking about back then. And you say we, you mean these, these original artists. The original artists. Yeah. Oh, we don't like rap. We don't want to do it. Or... We want uh, $25,000 for this and then 100% of the publishing. And, you know, and then you look at it like, is it really worth it? So who, who tried to charge you the most? Who was just outlandish with the sample clearance requirements? When we go over the sampling podcast, I will <laughs> I will go through all of my contracts and I will point out the ones that, <laughs> what facts, right. <laughs> uh, the ones that, that wouldn't be clear. But I do remember that happening where we just, couldn't clear stuff, you know, just just certain things that just wasn't going to happen. And if you look back at The Collective and you listen to the way people talk about it, especially even given that it was only just, you know, the one big collaboration and a bunch of smaller collaborations over a course of five or six years. If you talk to artists like Kanye, Common, Roots, this collective like inspired all of these people, you know, and gave all of them this sense that there was a place for them in hip hop, right? When y'all was doing it, did it feel important at all? Like on that level? I don't I don't know that we were aware of what the impact would be, if it would be important. We just knew that we were creating something that we wanted to hear. Hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like you have a lot of this, you have a lot of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just, everybody's trying to run. And, you know, people deny that back in the days that people trying to beat each other and there was so much, everybody was so different. But there was a lot of people trying to be like other people, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, and there was a lot of labels trying to force artists to be like other artists because they're selling a certain amount. You know what I'm saying? So, but for us, we just stepped out of what would be automatically associated as being cool. Mm -hmm. And I think great music supersedes all of that. I don't care what you look like. If you, you know, come on, man. You know, Boy George made Time Will Give Me Time and Comic Comic Chameleon. It was a great song. Absolutely. But he looked crazy in the face. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And and, and I'm saying that from a black kid who who lived in the hood. Yeah, he looked like a zombie. (laughs) I love the records. I know the songs. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes great music supersedes just having, yeah, yeah, just 
like yeah, you know, and but and hip hop can be really touchy. Don't get me wrong, like yo, you wear the wrong sneaker. They're like ah, what's that? What are those? Yeah, what are those? Yo, I am not listening to his record. Just based upon what he's wearing. So uh, you know, and we just took a gamble. And the great gamble is just like how you had mentioned, and I didn't know half those guys were inspired by De La or by Native Tongue. Is that there's other people who feel like we feel. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is that dude who rolls up having to kitted out Jetta yeah, and, yeah. and having the Benz and having, you know, Maxima was another big car back then, you know, and just chilling with the, you know, sharpest flat top things like razor sharp and you just, everything's <laughs> just perfect. You know, not everybody was like that. You right. know, some kids was, you know, goofy like me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, I mean, so at this point, do you feel comfortable saying that that movement was important? I would say in hindsight, I see how it influenced other people. It's hard for me. And I don't know if, it, it, if it's lack of ego or, I, you know, maybe a personal thing, uh, but I don't know how it has been important. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? That I'd have to hear from other people on how it affected them. It's important for me those days because it was a form of expression. And I was able to express myself in ways I don't think I could have. You know, imagine you go outside today, you hadn't showered in a week, you funky, your shoes (laughs) all ran over, you're looking crazy in the face. And somebody goes, I really think you're hot. And you know what? You like me for who I am without having to be all fly and stuff. And, you know, it's being accepted for however you put yourself out there and being as vulnerable as you possibly can and being put out there for ridicule. Having that is so beautiful. That's exactly what I would say. If you would ask why was it important, that's what I would say. Like for like a guy like myself, like I write rhymes almost 100% from that place of vulnerability. Like, that's the only thing that really even does it for me in hip-hop is try to be as vulnerable as I can. And the important thing about that movement was seeing y'all do that let me know that it was possible. You know what I mean? And and I could, like, follow the breadcrumbs and, you know, make an ass out of myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's you being you. Exactly. And, and being loved for you. What's like? And, and thank you for saying that. And, and I'll just say it like this, and this is slightly off topic, is... I played ping pong with the Wu-Tang Clan. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and that's, as, a, that's a hell of a t-shirt. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. As geeky as I am, like, when you put your guard down, you just yourself, you know, dude's like, oh, man, I like ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With them hard shoulders, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll take my fronts out, put them to the side. Come on, man, serve up. You know, it's like, it's nice to be kind of except so where I don't have to get up there and like, yo, son, you know what I'm saying? We just got to like, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's pause. Cool. You know, put your guard down. If we take it back to that time and we take it back to how people think of Native Tongues as a collective, like I said, there's a lot of Afrocentric symbolism, a lot of collectivism, and overwhelmingly it felt so positive. It felt like such a positive movement, especially compared to like a lot of other stuff that was happening in hip hop at the time. With that many people, and a vibe that looks so positive. I mean, was that everybody's truth? Or were there like people who behind the scenes weren't really that dude, but they were putting on this positivity front? Yo, I wish, you know, I could tell you a story where, man, such, such, you know, pulled a gun on this person and this happened and then put him in the, in the full Nelson. It, it, it back at that, when we were talking about making buddy, we're talking about that particular era. I didn't see that at all. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when I, when I was in the room, Everybody 
was for everybody. It was no side conversations like, yo, yo, man, you know, uh, Mike G ain't really coming with his verse, you know. Was, right. You know, it wasn't none of that. It was everybody pulled for everybody else. And I think when you say it seems like or it appears as though everything came from a positive standpoint, that comes across in the music. You know right. what I'm saying? That comes across in everybody pulling together. I mean, some things you don't, don't doesn't, everything has to be stated. You could feel it. And that's the beautiful thing about making songs. You could tell when somebody's trying to do something. Right. Oh, he's trying to make this pop song. Oh, he's trying to do it. You know what I'm saying? With that, you can tell it wasn't contrived. It was just whatever the mood was came out through the, through the vocals and through the recording. Was there a central person in a group that was really like motivating people to go hard and do it? I would say the center person that I can remember in this, and probably because he came with the concept of using the loop, would probably be Possum De La. And I would say Dave, too. You know, like it was our record. So since it's, you know, essentially De La Soul's brainchild, it's them to say, hey, come in. We would like for you to do this. And then I guess once everybody felt the energy, they just, wow, you know, let's just let's make it work. You know, then everybody got involved and got with it. But part of what seemed to drive some sort of a wedge between people was different groups within the collective having different amounts of success. I mean, from my standpoint, I, I could kind of see that. You know, I, I I could see when Tribe is doing better, when De La Soul is not doing as good, when people don't give Jungle credit for even starting Native Tongue, uh, let alone, you know, whatever success that they're having or not having at that point. With new people coming in the group that that I'm not even sure if Africa knew was in the group. You know, just out of respect, I always felt like probably Africa would be the one to really, since it was his brainchild, to not yay or nay them. But, but run it by him. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, we'll just, we'll just put you in the memo. <laughs> <laughs> CC on this. Yeah, CC on this. And, and I, I had a conversation with Africa about it. And if I remember correctly, I can't name names for sure, but I know there was a few people he's like, I didn't know, you know. I, I don't know how they became Native Tongue. <laughs> with Black Sheep in specific, like, you seem to almost be their mentor. You start off their album kind of explaining their place within Native Tongues. The Native Tongue family consists of De La Soul, Jungle Brothers, a tribe called Quest. But lo and behold, there's always a black sheep in the family. The black sheep, the lowlifes of the family tree. Did you bring them in? Um, the first time I remember meeting Drez uh, and, and Long, was when we were recording, um, it might have been for the second Daylight record. Oh, yeah. Come be, on, Fanatic everybody. of the B-Word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we was at a studio called Island Media mm -hmm. in Long Island. Yep, and he came out there, it was raining out, he's writing his rhymes. Yeah, yeah, I, I love those guys, man. They came in as almost like the Little Brothers, but, um, you know, their song was huge. Oh, styling is creative, Like to this day, engine, engine, number, oh, like to this huge. day. I mean, so so you got that song comes out, right? Right. So the little black sheep brothers, the little kids of the clan, their song is huge. So what does that level of success mean for other people in a crew? Like the Jungle Brothers, for instance, who started the whole thing and whose records by that point are like, because they had dropped JB's with the Remedy probably like that same year. Right. Right. And that 
largely fell below the radar. Right. What are the attitudes like around that time when people's records are having all these different sorts of reception levels? Well, I would say, honestly, during that time, I was somewhat, I wouldn't say removed. I was more into producing. Mm-hmm. But the vibe I was getting was that, I don't know if it was any type of resentment, but there was a feeling of maybe this isn't fair. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I could understand that. You got certain groups getting bigger, certain groups not as big, certain. And, and when you start up as a collective, everybody helping each other. I don't know if everybody expects that throughout the whole process, but you would hope for that. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I would have to say, man, Jungle Brothers probably got the short end of the stick of everything. Why do you think that is? Honestly, and I can't tell you the inner workings. I don't know what Posse's relationship or Dave's relationship with any of the MCs in the group, but it seemed like the, everybody was really focused on their own groups. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And less of the collective, native tongue, not necessarily you having to, you know, making that other, other groups responsible, but the reaching out was a little less. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I might get you to do that, might get you to do this, but it's really about us. Mm-hmm. And... And I could see it. I mean, like I said, from the outside looking in, I'm like, wow, okay, the days of everybody in one room, happy and smiling, was just gone because nobody's really reaching out to anybody. And I think, you know, Tribe success seemed to be the start of that. You know, once Tribe blew up, probably around low in theory time is when things really started to kind of just break away a bit, you know, and... I wish I could pinpoint it on one particular person or one like group, but I don't know. I think everybody just felt a little more uncomfortable in the room with each other. Wow. You, you know what I'm saying? Which was just weird. It's amazing what just success and record labels and stuff could do because it's first when, when you start to learn the music business, you start to learn how much money could be made and what recognition is. And both of us could walk in the room together and they know you, but they don't know me. But I helped you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It gets a little weird. Now it's like, you know, talk to my manager. Hey, you know, where we all sat in the room, wrote stuff. Now it's like, talk to my manager and we're going to figure out, you know, the cut and send over the contracts and da, da, da. I mean, those are important things to have. But those conversations weren't happening like that before. Yeah, so. I mean, those those would, you know, come before the actual making of any music. Well, what had happened was... All my contributions on any record, like the Black Sheep record, um, I got a vocal on the first Tribe record. I've never asked anybody for anything. I didn't even get a gold plaque for any of those. Right? At least give me a plaque. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't get, you know, nor to ask for anything because I just, it's what we did, you right. know? But yeah, those things have had changed. You I mean, know? How did you know for sure that it was over? Honestly, I never knew it was over. I think a good idea that something was really not right was um, when Paz did his, his rhyme on IMIB. Right? And when he had mentioned about them not being as close. Or some tongues who lied and said we'll be natives to the end. Nowadays we don't even speak. I remember recording that and I remember looking into the booth and looking at him and I just felt a chill. Whew. Because the music, it, you know, sets the tone. But then when he said that and I could see the look on his face, it was almost of of hurt. Mm. One thing I really love about Dela, amongst a lot of things, is they lay it on the line. Like they put whatever their feelings are into the music 
you know, whether good or bad, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, at the moment, however they dealt with it. When he said that, I knew what it was. Because just looking around, like, why aren't they here in the studio with right. us? Back in the days, at least one of them, somebody would have been in the studio with us. And it's funny because on that record, that's the Balloon Mind State record y'all dropped in 93. Right. Even though those core people weren't there, it still kept that vibe going because it still felt like people was just around and you could pull them in and get them on the mic. Oh, you always got people who you admire and you want to put on your records. Definitely Gangstar, Guru, Bismarck, you know, Dave reeled, you know, reeled in and wrote that part for Biz. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I know Poss, at least at least from my remember brought in Shorty. That's how I met her through Poss. Um, but where's Jungle and where's, you know, Tribe? Tribe where's uh, Drez is on it for two seconds. Okay. You know, he has a, a low vocal part. But where's everybody else? Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and like I said, when he said that line, it made me really realize, like, this is it. Like, th- there's, there's some tension going on. I want to ask, <laughs> but when somebody looks like that, I didn't want to run the risk of like, man, you didn't, you didn't want you didn't want to take the whole genie out. Of the nah, bottle. nah, you can't nah. put it back in. At nah, that point. you know, I just want to give my hug. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was listening to an interview with him, um, and he was saying that he kind of low key regrets saying that line because in his mind, that was just a feeling that he was feeling that day. But now that lives forever. That one, yeah, because they're they're friends. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, and just like family, brothers, anybody, you go through stuff. And I think at that time they were going through stuff, you know. Was there anybody like actively trying to hold it together, trying to get people back on the same page at that time? You know, the only person that I know that, you know, always appeared to be neutral, kind of like keep it real person in any situation and not just that. It's always been Maceo. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, De La Soul's uh, DJ. De, yeah, De La Soul. If, if anybody knows Maceo and, and they can attest to this, is he's like, whether wrong or right, he'll tell you straight up in your face what you did and how you were wrong. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And you could always rely on that. You might not want to hear it. His tact <laughs> might not be the best. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? His verbiage might be off. You know what I'm saying? But he's always that guy. And I've always seen him to be that guy. Like, yo, you know, why are you acting like that, man? You, you being stingy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he'll, <laughs> he'll tell you. You know, in this regard, I'm not sure if that was the case, but he's that person. And then when I looked at the Tribe movie, Beats, rhymes, and life. Yeah, that that rap report put out. You, Maceo, when they were when they were fighting, he was the one. Yo, come. On. He was like, Yo, come on, man. Let's do 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 do. You right. know, trying to trying to get everybody. Yeah, back and and, and that made sense. That totally made sense. I looked at it I was like, That's him. I mean, speaking of which, because I know uh, you still talk to all of these people in some form or fashion. Like, what are, what are your relationships like with with the Native Tongues members today? You know, if you ask me, I think I'm cool with everybody. Probably the bigger question for most people is De La Soul because we don't work together as we did, you know, back in the day. And that is a conversation that, you know, we could get in on a future podcast. Yeah, we'll, of, we'll, of, we'll do a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> of, uh, of, you know, why we stopped working together. But... Yeah, I still talk to them. You know, it's still possible me asking about records. Like, what records is this? Or, you know, even for doing these podcasts, you know, say like if I mention you, I want to ask you a question. Could I record you? It's like, yeah, fine. Uh-huh. You know, and we still have a collaborative thing going on in dealing with Tommy Boy. You know what I'm saying? Because we still have to release our old records digitally, which hasn't been released yet. So that brings us together as well. 
And, you know, Maceo, I still talk to him. Dave, I had a conversation with him not too long ago about Kickstarter. So, yeah, you know, we still have that report. It It is a little different. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, to put it out there. What, what's weird for me is I feel like the, the same person from when we were uh, when we were kids. You know, I'm like, I want to come. Yo, what's up? <laughs> and they're very grown. They're, uh, so, like, you, you see them still as, like, younger brothers i did until yeah. we talked enough and they're like yes paul <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh oh i had to straighten up i had to put a tie to sweat on man i was like you know I've, i always say this i've been 18 since i was 18 huh. and, and and now as i see them not quite that way it really shines a light on how i'm acting you know i'm like whoa okay is that did that have anything to do with why y'all stopped working together did they not want to be seen that way you know you would have to ask them mm -hmm. but from my view of it is they had to feel as though they created their own path and made their own sound and own music and you know walked their own walk you know they're, they're grown men right. i made them go do de, de la orgies man moan on the mic you know <laughs> at, at, at some point that's not fun you right. know what i'm saying that's like paul that's just dumb <laughs> which i could understand if you actually back then i was hurt you know i'm not gonna lie i was like right. man you know I, I thought we did this together and i think there's a there's a spirit of what you brought to them that's still always going to be with them they're always going to have like skits <laughs> yeah, on their records you know what i mean hey you know it's how we roll man <laughs> yeah. but no i mean nonetheless like i i love them i love them dearly and i love them like brothers and like family you know and without them there'd be no me and i realize that and so i you know it, it goes a lot deeper than just music you know and when you talk about the other you know groups Latifah, I haven't talked to Latifah since. I'll give you an example. One time we were in Co-op City and Kika and Allison used to have an apartment over there. And I was hanging out over there. I was hanging out with all of them. And those are um, um, Latifah's dancers. And I had bought a Saab 900 Turbo. Oh, look at you. Oh, man. Come on, crazy. It was white. <laughs> I had white rims on it. Look at you. I had, had a whale tail on the back. It had a horn that went, I had a ooga <laughs> horn. Yo, that thing, yo, it was crazy. So at nighttime, white car, white rims. I joined this glow. I remember Latifah was up there. And she's like, Paul, can I please drive your car? Can I please drive your car? Please, what people to for me to, to see me in that car to drive around. I was like, oh, it's my car, man. <laughs> All right, here. Right? I let her drive it. And all I can remember after her blowing up is, man, I want to drive her car. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I just want to drive. Whatever she's driving, it's got to be crazy. She owes me a drive in her yeah, car. she do owe you a drive. <laughs> in one of her cars. In one of her cars, man. man. Well, I, I want to drive in her jet, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Tribe, as everyone knows, Five had passed. Yeah. And I seen him maybe like a year before he passed. Uh, tip. Last time I saw my, I did the, uh, I DJ'd a, um, I was a release party for their last album. Oh, wow. And it wasn't by invitation by a Tribe. <laughs> it, so was, it was, it was, it was whoever promoted the party. Okay. Oh, man. And I have it on tape somewhere. And I, and I told them that on the mic because they, they had this little like, like thing where they sat down and, you know, it was asking questions about the album, like a little round table. I think Buster Rhymes was there. And I, and it was like, yeah, man, we got Prince Paul. I was like, yeah, it's the only way I got invited. <laughs> Nobody likes me. I don't oh. get invited to nothing. And then, you know, you can here Tim going no 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 man it's not the case man. I was like <laughs> I was like I was like yeah I was like that's why my picture wasn't on that tr on that record it was with everybody's picture on it oh, was man. it Midnight Marauders yeah you wasn't you wasn't on the Midnight Marauders nah, cover man wow 
Because I mentioned that, and, and it was like, he's like, Paul, we invited you. I was like, what? By by the invention of the email that wasn't invented then? <laughs> what, what? That's when you sent it? I never got an invite. I was like, everybody was on there. And it yeah. was like, ha, ha, ha. I was like, no. I, was, I, I mean, not, it. I mean, honestly, that was, that was, it, it's, it's astonishing to me that you weren't. And also, <laughs> I get why it would feel a certain way, though. Because, like, you know, people my age, when that album came out, poured over that cover like i yeah. have to like i felt a duty to know who each and every one of them people <laughs> were yo i felt that way and i was like i was looking through the cover like oh wow oh man but i was looking at the cover like they got him on there <laughs> they got that yeah, i'm closer to them than all of that yeah that's wild that's like at least uh, you know I, it wasn't i wasn't it wasn't like situated where i felt like i had to be but i was wondering like well, was, why not was there a reason that you weren't you know it's like man there goes frank the janitor why is he <laughs> on there you know what i'm saying there's people who had no business of being on there and i'm not gonna name names but i'm like i'm closer to them than all that i'm Still somewhat established. I'm not like, you know, man, what happened to Paul? I'm still making records. I mean, they had all the rest of Daylight on there, and y'all was yeah. still making records. Y'all yeah. made a record that year. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, so. But, so, but anyway, I put attention to that, you, you know, still see Jerobi around every once in a while. You know, we chit-chat here and there when, when I do see him. Drez, when I did a few dates with Daylight, like, I, I actually went and did a few gigs with them where some Maceo didn't show up uh, or some they made me a part of the show. So it was like, man, almost 10 years ago. Wow. And I remember Drez traveling and seeing him then and seeing him here and there now, you know, I, I catch him different places. Mr. Long, I haven't saw him in forever, yeah. probably like, yikes, who knows how long? Uh, no pun intended when I say how long, uh, <laughs> but who knows? It's It's been, it's been a minute. They're like everybody, everybody and, chilled out. Yeah, everybody years. got old, man. I mean, I, I, and I'm the oldest one. And it, but you're the only one that's still 18. Yo, I'm yo, I, I'm still act dumb. I mean, I'm 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 wise. Don't be wrong. I've been through enough to to know better to do stuff that I did back then. But it's understandable. Everybody's older, you know. Stakes is different now. Yeah, stakes is high, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, you set yourself up. You I know? did. So let's just to 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 bring it all to a close. I I would ask you if you put your wisdom cap on and think about this whole journey. Was there anything that you personally would have did different? knowing what you know now, specifically when it comes to the native tongues? I think that I would have been more active. Hmm. I would have been more vocal. I would have paid attention to when I felt there was a divide coming. I would have built stronger relationships with everybody. You know, my thing back then was I was just so focused on my group and on Dela. And in teaching people, like any of those guys will tell you if they want to learn anything in the studio and, you know, tip included, you know, like cutting up drums and doing, you know, I was there, I'm, I'm there to teach people. And that was my focus. I did not build individual relationships as strong as I should have. Mm -hmm. You know, though I was cool with everybody, I think if I did that, when there started to become somewhat a divide, I might have been a voice of reasoning right, or someone that they would respect to listen to. But I was out the loop, you know, like you, you feel it and you kind of sense it because things aren't the same, but it takes that for me to go, whoa, okay, that's what the case is. And for me, it, it's sad in a sense. And even, you know, selfishly for my own self is that we aren't all as close as we used to be. You know what I'm saying? And for me, it's for reasons that to me, I, I have no idea. Like, you know, did you sleep with somebody's girl? Did you steal some money? It's, it's some stuff that I don't, it must be jealousy. Right. That's the only thing I could see that it being it like uh, 
attitude, jealousy, insecurities. It, it has, you know, I don't, I don't see anything that has been crucial where it's been life threatening. Let me tell you this that I didn't mention is some years ago, before Michael Rappaport did the tribe, the, the, the tribe documentary, I was talking to Drez and trying to get everybody so I could make a native tongue documentary. Hmm. And, you know, I was asking around and, you know, yeah, you know, could I do? And it seemed like and people were like, man, you could try call such and such, but I don't know if you pick up. And, you know, people weren't getting back to me. People, they were seemed disinterested. Maybe like 2010, I was mm-hmm. looking into like doing this and, and uh, it, it, still didn't, it didn't get too far. But yeah. So, so to answer your question, uh, initially, I just wish I could really had been more receptive to everybody in the group individually. One last question. What would you say is the ultimate legacy of Native Tongues? What have they left behind? You know, like the ultimate like impact. I think it's okay to be you. It's okay to show emotion. It's okay to show fear. It's okay to show vulnerability in your music. It's okay to show passion. And not everything has to be you know, some crazy male bravado and I got this, what I own, what I can do to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, how much better I am than you. There's more information, more things to rhyme about than those things in hip hop. And that's to me was always the best music anyway. When you go back, especially if you look in black music history, you know, Marvin Gaye's what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Even, and I, I love to use Marvin Gaye as an example, like Hear My Dear was about what his divorce. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of the best albums ever. And it's like spiteful. <laughs> yo, it, yo, it's so freaking smart. It's brilliant. You know, will this generation be able to leave music like that? You know what I'm saying? And that's what Native Tongue leaves. They leave that blueprint of what they were feeling at the time, their vulnerabilities, how they saw the world. And thanks to that, for the people you said that every, you know, the group inspired, it makes people create in that fashion to make even more music that's, you know, impactful that will live on forever. Well, man, I, I appreciate you uh, taking this look back with us I, like that, backwards, I, I, forwards. I, I need therapy now. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't know it was going to be this deep, You man. can lay that on the table, man. Yeah. I, I, I charge you for it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just want to cry, man. <laughs> it was too much. I know it's going to go back in time, but yikes, man. I just, yeah. I'm looking back like I just want to call everybody and say I'm sorry. I would love it if you did. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I didn't even do anything. You I wouldn't say I'm sorry. But, you know, that, and I think that's an important thing to say, too, though. If anybody... In and around that situation, all that hears this and wants to clarify anything, it's an open door to come have, you know, come speak your piece. We're asking everything from Paul's perspective and he's given his perspective. But um, it was a lot of people and, and a lot of yeah. people that went through a lot of different stuff. So, you know, we want to make sure that people know that you can come refute anything. Yeah. And, and, and I like to add, and I'm not saying this to be stupid anything, but I love everybody in the group. That's all. Because we were close back then. What happened? <laughs> everybody would happen. Can we just get back together and just like, you know, just get in the room and laugh and just leave the lawyers and stuff out and make a great record? That'd be that'd be nice. And we would love that. Just let the let the let the cameras roll and turn the microphones on so we can hear it. One day soon, because, uh, you know, I'm in my 50s now. Man. <laughs> Shoot, man. It's all good, man. You, you know, you, you, you're entering 50s gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You're in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's like pimp my ride, right? The outside, I, I kind of cleaned up and, 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 and painted and stuff, but the inside still has 50-year-old parts. <laughs> well, this is it. And that's, that's what had happened was. Yeah, what had happened was. <laughs> Thank you.
Sony Island Audio.